Well, hey there, welcome to Water of Life. My name is John and I'm your campus pastor this week on our online campus. We are so excited that you signed on to join us for church today. I know God has something really incredible for each one of us. And uh, in just a few minutes, we're gonna be going into worship and prayer and the message. Uh, but first I wanna share a few things that are going on this week at Water of Life. Now, if this is your first time with us, let us know. We would love to say hi. Just text the word new here as one word to the number 818-818. Just let us know that you're here and uh, we can greet you and welcome you to church. Now, if you'd like to worship with your tithes and offerings today, first of all, thank you. Um, but if you want to give through the Water of Life app, you can do that or online at wallupdates.com. That's W-O-L-updates.com. Now, I don't know about you, but this season is really fun for my family and I. We love Thanksgiving. And one of the things that we love about Thanksgiving, in addition to all the food and football and everything else, is going down to CityLink and helping out to distribute uh, food to our whole community for people who are in need. And so we're still doing that. A lot of you are gonna be really glad to know that we're still gonna be doing our distribution through CityLink. And we wanna invite you to jump into that. Now, you can do this in a lot of different ways. You can buy groceries and, and bring them over to CityLink. You can buy them and leave them here on the campus. We're gonna have boxes all over the campus here and at Upland uh, for, those, for those groceries or you can help out with the actual distribution uh, and caring for people or packing. And so there's a lot of information on that, but want to let you know that our Pack and Praise is November 15th and the food, food distribution to the community is November 19th. Now, this is gonna be so good for so many people and I know for me and my family, we just love to do this as something that's a, a yearly tradition. And so for, if you'll head over to wallupdates.com backslash Thanksgiving, you can find a list of food items and key dates for the mobile distribution. You can also sign up to serve at the various, various events happening throughout the season. Also coming up on November 8th, we're gonna be doing a blood drive to raise funds for our partners at Agua de Vida Orphanage in Mexico. Now every Christmas, my family loves to go to Mexico. We love to go to Agua de Vida. It's been something that we've done for like seven years now. And unfortunately this year, we're not gonna be able to do that. And a lot of people feel that same way, but there is something you can do. If you donate blood at this blood drive here at the Fontana campus on November 8th, uh, $20 from every donation goes to our partners at Agua de Vida. That's a huge help for them. And along with that, with that donation, you'll get a free COVID antibody test with every, with every donation. So giving blood helps, helps people in our community here locally a ton, and it'll help our global partners as well. So head over to wallupdates.com, and you can set up an appointment to donate blood. Uh, the blood mobile will be here at the Fontana campus on November 8th. Also, on November 13th from 7 to 10 p.m. here at the Fontana campus, we're gonna have our second night of prayer and worship of the 40 days of prayer. Now, if you've been a part of this whole 40 days of prayer thing, you'll know what a blessing it's been. I know my small group has been in this. I've been coming to prayer uh, at 5.30 in the morning during the weekdays when I've been able to. And these nights of prayer and worship are an amazing time to come together and just raise our voices to the Lord all together as a community. And so that's gonna be uh, on Friday the 13th, November 13th, 7 to 10 p.m and they'll have childcare available, as well as a special program for kids. And so if you want more information about that, head over to wallupdates.com, and you can get all the information about the evening and what's available for your kids. I also wanna encourage you, just for this whole 40 days of prayer, press in, be a part of it. I know you're already here for church. Uh, get into your prayer journal if you have one, and just wanna encourage you to be a part of everything that's going on, as it's so needed right now. 
So as always, head over to wallupdates.com for all the updates that you need, wolupdates.com. And as we prepare our hearts for worship, I just want to encourage you, set aside distractions. I know it's so easy in our home or car, wherever you're at, to get distracted. But before we get into worship, let me pray for you. So Father God, I just thank you for each one in our online campus right now. I thank you so much that they've set aside this time. God, I pray that you would speak to them so clearly. And God, that we would be able to worship you and praise you without distraction. So Father God, speak to us through your word. Touch us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we're going to worship together. God bless you.
sing it with us. Of receiving right now. 
you can just open your hands like this. Because we want to speak a blessing over you and your family and your children. We so desperately need that in our world today. Will you receive it?
and who can be against us. So Father, we thank you for your presence today. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you set captives free? Would you lift burdens off of your people today? We give you the praise in advance, God, for all that you're going to do. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Come on, give him a real praise. Come on, give him a real praise. Hallelujah. So before you take your seat, we want to encourage you to wave or give a air high five to your neighbors. God bless you before you sit down. And we do thank our online community for joining us as well. God bless you. Hey, Water of Life, I hope you're having a great day today. You know, there's this is a very special day, and I wanted to come to you and just jump into your world for a minute and, and talk to you about celebrating great events and very, very important things that are strategic in the world. And I'm not talking about the Dodgers winning the World Series, but that was pretty strategic in the world, so yay, Dodgers, way to go. I'm actually talking about Water of Life's 30th anniversary. Today, October 28th, 1990, uh, Water of Life Church started from scratch, from nothing, from nowhere, and God created something out of nothing. And friends, that's worth stopping for just a moment and giving an amazing thanks and honor of praise and worship to God for. So I wanted to send out a blast to you today to just say, would you please stop today with me and thank God for what he's done at Water of Life the last 30 years. We're not having our anniversary celebration right now, which we had expected to do this fall because of COVID and everything, but we do plan on doing something this winter that's gonna be really big and really great and really fun. I mean, those of you who've been around, you know we've celebrated our 20th anniversary, our 15th anniversary, our 25th anniversary. We've had Matt Redman and Jeremy Camp, and we've done some really great things. And we're crossing 30 years today October 28, 1990, October 28, 2020. It's like, you know, 30 years have flown by and God has been so gracious to us, so faithful to us, so faithful with us, so much blessing and life He's poured out on our church, all because of your faithfulness and other people like you. So I just wanna take a moment today to say thank you, Water of Life, for your faithfulness to God. Thank you for 30 years of blessing, and I pray today that you would just stop and honor God and bless His name for all that He's done with all of us to touch, change, improve, bless our world, the poor, the needy, the hungry, the hurting, all over the world, all over our community, our neighborhoods, and our nations. God has touched so many people because of your generosity and His heart. It was His idea to start Water of Life, not mine, not anybody else's, it was God's idea. But all of us have been part of that. So many of you have been part of that. I just wanna shout out to you and say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for 30 years of blessing. I hope you have a great day today. God bless you. Let's celebrate this together today. God bless. Father, we just want to come to you and say, 
it's a tragedy if we pass by landmarks, moments in time, God, without stopping to honor you. Throughout all of Israel's history, there were festivals and, and moments where you asked your people to stop and remember your goodness, God. Just thank you and thank you and thank you, Father, for not forgetting us, for always taking care of us. You took nothing and built it into something here. We're just so grateful. God, we look forward. We want to look forward, Father, and believe that you're going to do more and better, touch more people in deeper ways, heal more lives, Father, and do more work than we could ever ask or think. We pray that you would start that even right now, here today, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen, amen, amen. A couple of quick things. If you've got a Bible, an iPad, a phone, you can turn to John chapter 16. We're going to be there today. But we still need some help in Empowered Kids. So if you would like to help us with EK, uh, you can text 909-341-1600. I think it's up there. Is it up there? It's not up there. But it's 909-341-1600. You can visit empoweredkids.org. Or you can show up and just go out on the concourse and sign up. Call into the office on Monday, sign up. We're, we got like 20 or 30 people last week. We still need 20 or 30 or 40 more people to help us get two um, services tomorrow uh, happening. So we, um, yeah, we need you. If you've been in ch uh, children's ministry at all, love to have you jump back in there. Finally, this is like the last call for prayer guides. They're out on the patio. If you haven't picked one up, you can pick it up on your way out. They won't be out there anymore. And then this week, we're going to do the Dollar Club this week and next week. Now, if you don't know the Dollar Club, the Dollar Club is really like, uh, we, we used to have a full auditorium of people, <laughs> and we would ask people to bring a dollar, right? And put a dollar in the box, and it would go to serve some children or people. And this... This is really a, a really cool deal that we're doing right now. We're drilling a well in a village in Kenya that's got like 300 children in it. And so we're gonna, we're gonna drill a well for a village in Kenya where I met the pastor, a young guy named Dominic and Sharon. He and his wife were at our school last February and I met them just the week they were going out to, to go to northern Kenya and start planting a church. So they are in this village, but there's no water in this village that's clean. The people are sick from drinking bad water. And so we've been praying. We really thought, let's do the Dollar Club. Let's drill a well. Let's change some people's lives. Amen? So let's do that. If you'd like to give your dollar this weekend, next weekend, online, whatever you want to do, we'd love to have you do that so we can drill a well and bless some people. Okay. So let's talk about this. You got your, your uh, prayer guide and you want to pull it out. We're going to walk into week four. Uh, week one, if we just do a little bit of review here, uh, 40 days of prayer. Week one, we talked about habits. How many of you know we have them? Some of them are really bad. Some of them are not so bad. Some of them are really good, and, and, and we need better habits. So we talked about changing our habits. I'm so happy today to see some of you with your memory verses, that you're actually working at memorizing the Word of God. And how many know that'll change your life? That'll change your life forever. If you get the Word of God in your heart, allow the Spirit of God to use it. Uh, second week, we talked about prayer as a conversation. It's not a ceremony. It's not a ritual. It's a relationship and how important that was. And then last week, we talked about 2 Chronicles 7.14, that prayer is healing. And there's a whole uh, position of healing that you can find in 2 Chronicles 7.14. We talked about that. Now, this week, we're going to hit that place that I've been saying for several weeks we're going to come to. Like, what do you do when God doesn't answer you? Pastor Dan.
Sit down and cry. <laughs> How many of you know there are times when you pray things and you don't get an answer? Hello? I mean, let's just be really honest. If we're teaching prayer, talking about prayer, we're praying, you gotta be honest about it. There are times you're gonna have to deal with God not answering the prayer that you pray the way you want him to answer or even at all. So what do you do with that? What do you do with that? What do you do with that? Well, the Bible makes a lot of promises about God answering prayer, doesn't it? A lot of promises. We've been studying those promises. We're gonna read one of them in just a minute. But Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me and I will answer you. So God is a God who what? He answers. But God, how come sometimes you don't? That's hard, man. That is really, really, really hard. And that's where we're gonna land today is talking about that. So let's read together out of John 16. It's up on the screen there. If you're online, we wanna welcome you. Let's read it loud. Let's read it together. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy will be made full. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will. Man, that's such a big promise. He just says over and over and over. If you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Ask and you will receive. Your joy will be made full. Ask the Father in anything in my name and I will do it. It's an amazing promise. But there's times it doesn't happen. And you have to go, okay, what am I gonna do? What do I do when I pray and pray and pray and pray and nothing moves? Well, we've talked about this a few times the last few weeks about how does God answer prayer? He answers yes, no, later, or wait, and are you kidding? No, <laughs> no, I'm joking. These things that we're talking about here, talk, really, there's four things that he does sometimes. Sometimes he just says you're gonna have to wait. Anybody know that? You're gonna have to wait. How many of you hate that? I hate the waiting part. And there's that same thing that is sometimes like in a while, I'll do it in a while. It, it's gonna happen, but that's kind of like waiting. But then there's that whole thing that God does when he says this, I'm gonna do it in my way, not your way. You ever seen God do that? Did you like it? No, not at the beginning. At the beginning, usually at the end you like it because you're like, God's way is better than what? than my way, but at the beginning, I'm like, I don't like it. I don't like your way, God. And, and, and so when we go to prayer, you gotta think like this, God hears your prayers. He always, always answers. He just doesn't always answer yes. And he doesn't answer on my time. Think about these kinds of people. I mean, that's what the Bible is so important for. Abraham, Moses, Paul, Elijah, Peter, Jesus, all got told no, or wait. I mean, poor Abraham, how long did that guy wait? I, I, I mean, forever, is that right? I mean, he was like on the waiting list. And then you got Moses, he got 40 years of waiting. I'm guessing most of you haven't waited 40 years. But, but it feels like it. <laughs> You're like, feels like 40 years, you know? It feels like I've been here forever. Then you got Paul, Elijah, Peter, and even Jesus. Crying out to the Father, we're gonna drill into that today because that's a really important picture of Jesus crying out to the Father and the Father not answering him. So how many of you know it can be tough to deal with? This can be really hard to deal with in your faith life. How many people do I know, do you know, have walked away from God 
when they didn't get the answer they wanted. I mean, they just said, look at, I'm gonna quit following Jesus. I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get the answer I wanted. I'm out. Friends, people do this. They just walk away from God because they don't get the right answer. So when you watch people get answers to prayer, does this ever happen to you? You see somebody get a yes when you got a no? Has that ever happened to you? Were you frustrated? I mean, you're like praying the same prayer as somebody else. They get yes as an answer and you get and you just want to scream. You just want to go, what's up with that? Why did they get it? Why didn't I get it? Especially, friends, if it's for somebody sick. I mean, really, for somebody sick. If you're crying out to God and somebody gets healed and you, and you see a family, the person gets better, and you want to cheer for them. The problem is you prayed the same prayer and your husband died. Your wife died. Your child died. That's, come on, let's be honest, right? This is really what? It's hard. It's really hard. And it takes a lot of faith to walk through things and cheer for other people when it's not going well for you. When your family member didn't get well, you didn't get pregnant, and you prayed to be pregnant, and somebody else prayed to be pregnant, and they got a baby. What's up with that? I mean, how, how come you didn't get a child, and they got a child? I mean, clearly, friends, clearly, there's some things we're not gonna understand this side of heaven. I mean, I mean, that's an easy out, but that's just reality of living here. We're not gonna get everything till we get to heaven, but, but the truth is also, it's really frustrating. It can be really discouraging if you're not careful in your walk with God, that if you don't get the answers you think you should get, that you start to give up. Now, what about this? What about when two people are praying against each other? You know, that's happening right now in our country. I pray this person gets elected. I pray this person gets elected. Well, you're not both gonna get the answer to your prayer. I mean, more simply speaking, it kind of happens like this a lot of times. It used to when I was a school teacher in Idaho anyway, and I always used to think about this because parents would talk about it all the time. People would pray for it not to snow so they could go to work. Because they wanted to work. They, needed, they didn't get like paid if they stayed home. So they would pray, don't let it snow, God, I need to go to where? But their kids were sitting in the other room and what were they praying? Let it snow, we want a snow day, we want to stay home. I mean, really it's kind of funny, but it's the truth. People actually pray like this all the time, you know they do. You do it, I do it, people do it. And the, and the reality is you're not both gonna get a yes. It's impossible, it's not gonna happen. Then there are these prayers that I hear Christians pray sometimes that scare me. I, I need to be honest, they scare me. When I hear Christians pray like this, Lord, you need to make her marry me. <laughs> what? Are you, I mean, come on, if you're in a prayer circle on 5.30 in the morning during the week here and somebody prays that and you don't faint, something's wrong with you. Because people pray prayers like that sometimes. God, you really make, need to make my boss promote me. God's not gonna make your boss do anything. Do, do you understand that? God influences people and he moves hearts, but God doesn't break people's free will. That's in the Bible very clearly. And I wanna talk about that for a minute because it's really important that you understand this. God will not override people's free will. So Pastor Dan, here's a qu question you should ask. Pastor Dan, then why should I pray for somebody to give their life to Jesus if they don't love God? Hello? Is that right? Especially if their will is the key to that. And here's the answer. 
Because God can soften hard hearts. That's what he does. They still have to choose. They have to make a choice at the end of the day, but God can soften their what? He can soften your heart. He softens my heart. He softens their heart. And once he softens your heart, it makes it way easier for you to make the right decision. Does anybody get that? That's how God works in the journey, friends. He softens your heart so you make a better choice. But he will not force you against your will. Your will, I say this often, is the key to the kingdom of God. Your will is the key to God working in your journey. He will not force you. I mean, think about healing prayer and all the answers that you've had say no. I mean, I figured this out a long time ago. You pray for everybody and then you just trust God. You just pray for everybody's healing and God, please heal this person, please heal this person, please heal this person. And then, you know, sometimes people will get well and sometimes they what? They won't, that's not my decision, that's God's decision. I don't get that. I gotta, I gotta be honest, I don't get that. I don't understand why this person got well and this person did, like Lazarus. I mean, why did Lazarus get raised from the dead? Did he earn it? No, no, but it, the Bible said Jesus loved him, but I know Jesus loves lots of people that go into eternity. I'm positive of that. He loves lots of people that go into eternity. And, but Lazarus, I, I bet when Lazarus died, and then they brought him back from the dead, I bet when he died later, people thought for sure he was gonna get up again. I, I, come on, that's just how Christians function. You know, you know, this dude, he's gonna live forever, he's gonna die six times, he's gonna get up from the dead every time because Jesus raised him from the, isn't that what we do? We make formulas out of stuff, friends, when it's not supposed to be like that. And, and I bet when Lazarus died the next time, and they all said, come forth, Lazarus, and he didn't get up, they went, what? You know, what's up with that? You know, well, we're not Jesus, and yet, no, 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 listen, Jesus said, greater things than I do, you'll do greater things than me. But the truth is, Lazarus died and didn't get resurrected the second time. Unless it wasn't recorded, I, I, I don't think it happened. I mean, nobody's gonna live forever until they live in eternity, that's just reality. I mean, everybody's gonna die, Lazarus died again. But, but how about this? How about when a child dies and it's just unexplainable? How about that? I mean, those have been the hardest things for me over the years, is to watch children in our church in a tragic accident and they die. So here's the problem with this, and I, and I wanna go down deep with you right now because this is a hard, this, these are hard things to talk about. But here's a huge problem for me in Christianity. When we try to explain things that God doesn't try to explain. When a child dies and somebody comes in the room and says, you know what, God just wanted him more than, than you did or he needs him more than you, that's stupid. I mean, come on, this person, don't say that to people when they lose a child. I mean, their heart's broken. Don't tell them, you know, God wanted them. No, 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 listen, it's unexplainable. Just leave it there. Just leave it unexplainable. If God doesn't explain it, you shouldn't try to. Do you understand this? Because when Christians try to do this, we just make a mess. We make a mess. And, and, and you, you know, when I see people grieving and they, and they're like trying to make an excuse for God. I'm like, Listen, I can't make an excuse for God. God has said our days are numbered. I don't know how long my number is, your number, or your children's numbers. I don't know. I know this, when God decides to take somebody into eternity, 
It's his choice to take them into eternity. It was his decision to put them in the planet. It's his decision to remove them. The reality is, friends, don't make excuses for God. They're never guaranteed another day. When, you, when people say to me, well, what am I supposed to do? Just go be quiet. Just go sit with people that are grieving. You, you don't have to ma- try to fix it. You don't have to come up with some humdinger idea of why God had to take this person home to make it feel better for everybody. Don't do that. That is so hurtful to people when they're grieving. See, the, the reality is this. Death creates the greatest single test that you'll face in life. Death creates the greatest single test you'll face in this life. It is for all of us. It has been for time in history. It's very, very, very difficult. It's this thing. Trust me in it, please. That's what God does all the time, isn't it? Hello? Trust me in it, please. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to explain it. Don't try to massage it into a place that you can't. Just trust me in it. Tragic accident. Oh my goodness. You see some young people killed in a car wreck or something and you're like, how, I, it's unexplainable. Don't try to explain a dashed dream, a tragic death, an unfulfilled longing. Something you prayed for, longed for, longed for, and it's been denied. Don't try to make an excuse for God. Just, just make a decision. I'm gonna trust you anyway, God. I'm gonna, you're gonna have to fix this on the other side for me. I hungered for that so much. I trusted you for that so much, and it didn't happen. How many people do I know who prayed to get married, really thought God was gonna give them a spouse, and now they're old and they never got married? A dashed dream. They wanted to have a family. They wanted to have children, just like everybody else, and it didn't happen. Friends, don't make an excuse for God. It's okay to go to God and say, what happened here? I don't like this, but don't make excuses for God. Look at point number two in your little outline there. Three reasons God says no. Now, I'm gonna tell you some things here, and please try to catch this when you're dealing with people that are dealing with death, because these are important things to say. When I'm talking about making excuses for God, there's a story in the Bible that teaches this. It's in the book of Job. Anybody know the book of Job? Job was a guy who got really beat up by God, didn't he? Hello? I mean, it's like, whoa, you lose your wife, your kids, your farm, your animals, everything you own. You lose, that's pretty beat up. You know, God didn't do it. Satan did it because Satan went to God and said, let me have a, ha, at, at this guy and he will turn on you. Now, that isn't the point of the story that I want to talk about today with you. What I want to talk about are his friends, his friends that came to him because his friends came to him. Man, he was hurting, he was broken, he was weeping, he was full of sorrow, and his friends came, and the good part of the story is they just hung out with him for a while. They just hung out with him. They just didn't try to answer for God, they didn't try to act like it wasn't happening, they just did the right thing. They just zipped it and sat in the pain with him. Now the problem was when the story went on, when the story went on, they got frustrated because it kept happening. 
And see, when it keeps happening and you can't answer the issue, then you start to dig up some other point to be able to settle it inside of you. We do things like this. Well, there must be sin in your life. No, really, that's what we do as Christians. You must have done something wrong or this wouldn't have happened to you. Really, how do you know that? Jesus said, when, when the disciples came to Jesus and said, um, who sinned, that guy or his parents, or who, who sinned? Because they, I always identified physical sickness, Israel did, physical sickness with sin. It was an Old Testament picture, and it's not in the New Testament, friends, you gotta get that. Jesus said nobody, nobody sinned for the guy to end up like this. It's life. There's life, sin broke fellowship with God, death entered in, it is life. So clearly, clearly, they couldn't just sit with him for a long term and, and just be in the journey because it was too painful for them, so they started digging into him. At the end of the story, they just tried to explain what God was doing and it was unexplainable. And what ended up happening to Job? What did it do to Job? It crushed him inside. It crushed him, he felt like his friends turned on him. Have you ever felt that with people? Christian people that turned on you, that you thought, man, I'm in the midst of this hardest thing, I'm crying out to God to bring me a release and help me and, and, and break through, and he doesn't, and he doesn't, and he doesn't, and then people start to say things like this, there must be sin in your life. You must have done something wrong or God wouldn't let this keep happening to you. Really, what verse is that? Do you have that verse? Because I, I don't know that verse, friends. I know that there are things about God that are mysterious and unexplainable, but I don't know the verse of, you must have sinned because it's gone on so long, I'm uncomfortable now. No, really, I mean, think about it as Christians, how we deal with this, because we don't deal with it very well. Don't try to explain what God doesn't explain. Here's one for you, here's one. These are story time, let's tell the story. Katrina, now do you remember when Katrina came? We did all these outreaches to New Orleans and Peter Felsch was here. We were taking teams at Katrina all the time. We took our mobile medical unit to Katrina. We were down there serving people and feeding people and trying to help and half the country was doing the same thing because New Orleans just got completely wasted, right? And what did Christians say? What did Christians say? The judgment of God. No, really, come on, if you went to, after Katrina came, after Katrina came, do you know what was left completely intact? Bourbon Street, where all of the grossest things happen in New Orleans, where people tear their clothes off and parade around the streets and all kinds of debauchery happens. Bourbon Street was untouched by Katrina. So, so, so help me, Christians, did God like make a mistake? He's like bringing the big judgment onto New Orleans. And he, oh, you missed the place. Jeez, you need a GPS or something, God. What's up? Now, I heard the same thing. Listen, I heard the same thing during the earthquake back in the 90s when we had that big earthquake and it shook Hollywood. Do you remember that? The big earthquake and shook Hollywood. And what did all the Christians say? God's judgment on the porn industry. Listen, you need to read your Bible. The Bible doesn't say that in the New Testament, friends, I'm sorry. That's the Old Testament. The Old Testament judgment is open 
and immediate. New Testament judgment is private with God and it's at the end of time. Do you understand that? They are not the same. The cross of Christ changed everything. It changed everything. And you might say, well, isn't God mad at the porn industry? God's heart is broken by the porn industry. But God is not bringing earthquakes to shut down the porn industry. If God wanted to shut down the porn industry, he could do it eight million different kinds of ways. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying God likes the porn industry, he lets it happen. He lets people do what they choose to do because under grace, they will suffer judgment later. The Bible's very clear, vengeance is mine, says what? The Lord, very clear, but not right now. Not in the New Testament right now. Right now in the New Testament, 1 Peter says this, 1 Peter 4, 17, here's your Bible. That's why it's so important to read it. The time of judgment will begin with God's people. Hello? Judgment begins in the household of God. 1 Peter 4, 17, literally means this. Listen, when I confess Jesus and then I keep sinning, that's way worse than what's going on on Bourbon Street for God. Do you understand that? That's, isn't that what Jesus attacked all the time when he was on the planet? All the time, all the time, he went after Pharisees who confused people. They looked godly, but they weren't. That's why judgment starts with the household of God, because God wants people to see who he really is, and we are the way that, he, that they see that. So, so think like this. When you see things happen that are not explainable, don't try to explain them. Don't try to make an excuse for God. Just realize this, God is God and he'll do what he chooses to do. So let's walk through these things, good, bad, or in between. Why, three reasons why God says no to us, really hard and straight up. He has a better and bigger perspective. I mean, that's just clear throughout the Bible. God sees way more than you and I see. He has a better perspective of your life, my life, and the life than any of us. Right, is that correct? I mean, he just has a better perspective. Hebrews 4.13 says this, he knows about everyone everywhere. This is the Living Bible, but I, I like this version. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him. God sees the future, he sees every connecting point. I don't see that. Sometimes I'm praying like crazy for something right now that's so important right now, but I don't know what that means down the road. I don't understand the consequence of my prayer. How about you? Hello? Do you always understand the consequence of your prayer? You don't, you can't. You're doing the very best you can, but you don't know long-term what you're asking for, what it really means. So you gotta know this. He is committed to your best for eternity. Please get that word, eternity. Not the best for right now in this moment. God is committed to your best for what? That's why Jesus went to the cross, is it not? Come on, help me, yes or no? It's for sure the answer. Jesus went to the cross for eternity, not for the moment, but for eternity. And when you read, when you pray, you have to think like that. God sees what you don't see. He knows what you don't know. If you could, let, let me ask you a question this way and flip it around. If you could see your whole life, do you think you would pray different? 
Some of you are laughing. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny, Pastor Dan. No, 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 no. What if you could see the beginning, the middle, and the end of your life, the mistakes that you made along the way, do you think you would pray different? I, I'm, I'm positive I would. I am positive my prayer life would change if I could see the middle, the front, and the back. If I could see my whole journey, I would pray different. And friends, God sees the whole journey, so don't you think he's gonna answer you different? I mean, that's just what we're talking about. It's the same thing, just think like the same thing that you do with your kids. If your kids say, I need more candy for Halloween, are you gonna just keep giving them candy every single day? No, some of you are like, yeah, it's a good bribe, you know. No, 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 no. No, you know that if you keep feeding your kids candy and candy and candy and candy, you're gonna destroy their life, right? Come on, help me, please say yes. I mean, you know that they can't just live on candy. It would kill them. You understand things they don't understand. You understand consequences they don't understand. And, and the idea is, I don't sometimes understand the consequences of what I'm even asking for when I pray. I'm praying things that I don't understand what it actually means in the long term of eternity with God. Proverbs 2.8 says this, God guards the course of the just and he protects the way of his faithful ones. So will God sometimes protect you from your own prayers? Some of you are gonna be really grateful when you get to heaven. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't answer that the way I wanted you to answer it. Man, that was, God allows us to go through tests and trials and the issues that we don't understand and he wants you to say yes and yes and yes even though you don't get your answer. Second thing is this. It's kind of like the first thing but a little deeper in my mind. God says no when he has a better plan. He sees a bigger picture but he has a better plan. This has to do with destiny. This has to do with God setting your steps from, from eternity. That God has determined your destiny and said, listen, I want, I've set a way for you, walk in it. Does it say that in the Bible? Don't go to the left, don't go to the right, walk the narrow what? The narrow path, walk the narrow road. Let's see, I, I like the wide road, how about you? And God said, listen, if your prayers are gonna lead you in the wide road, I'm not answering that for you. You gotta figure this out. There's gonna be times you pray for things and they're just not from God. When we were trying to buy this property, years and years and years ago, like 20, we were trying to buy this property. We bought it once, we lost it. We bought it again, we lost it. I grew increasingly, what? Frustrated, thank you, just like you do. I mean, time's going by. We have nowhere to put people. Every single week, people are piling up and disappearing, you know, there's nowhere to park cars. There was, there was, it was a chaotic mess. We were like eight or 900 people. We didn't have anywhere to put people. And so you're, you're, it's easy to go like this. God loves people. He wants to touch people. So he should give us a bigger place to meet. Isn't that like one plus one equals two? This is simple, right? If I'm God, this is simple. I mean, isn't that how you think when you pray? I mean, we all do this with God. And so what, what I did is after we lost this the second time, we started shopping other places. I just went, this is obviously not God, and, and, but he hadn't released us. See, that's what's so important about prayer is if you don't get a release from God, you don't give up. That's why I tell you, keep asking, right? There'll be times that God will say, okay, I'm done with that, you're done, 
you're released, let it go, let it go. You might have the answer, you might have, not have the answer, but let it go. But, but I didn't have the answer, and I hadn't been released. And I, I, I went anyway. I know you've never done that. <laughs> I just got frustrated and tired, and I went, I'm just like beating my head against the wall. This is ridiculous. If you were in this, you would have broken through by now. All of that, right? So we went down to Haven and, Base, or Haven and Foothill, and we bought Kmart. How many of you know where Kmart is down there? You're right below City Hall? That old Kmart building in there? I heard it just got bought and rebuilt recently, but we, 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 we bought it, put it in escrow. We put money down on it like 10,000 or 5,000 or something, but then we put 50,000 in escrow account and it, had, it was gonna go hard on a certain date, which means it disappears, right? Whether you buy it or not, it's gone. And so we had, we had architectural plans drawn up. We had like a, a garden area built in the middle of it where we had the roof taken back. It was really super cool, but it was not not the answer. And every time I prayed about Kmart, you know what God would say to me over and over and over? Ishmael, Ishmael. And I, I go, you know, that is the wrong answer, God. Ishmael is not the right answer. And no, really, uh, you know, if you don't know the story of Isaac and Ishmael, Ishmael is from the flesh and Isaac was from the spirit. And so God will allow you to do things in the what? In the flesh, he will. And you can try to answer your own prayers in the flesh, friends, but in eternity, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, at the outcome long-term is not the answer. And, and God kept saying that to me. It's an Ishmael, it's an Ishmael, it's an Ishmael. Finally, I, I, before the 50 grand went hard, I, I walked away from it. And I had nowhere to go. We didn't have this property. And I go, we can't do it. And they're all like, well, I thought you thought you were supposed to do it. I said, I did, but the Lord's been really clear. We're not supposed to do it, you know? It's not gonna happen for us. Let's just walk away from it. Listen to Isaiah 55.8. Isaiah 55.8. This plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. And we know that verse, but that verse is so important when you're talking about stuff like this, about God having a better plan. It's kind of like this. When you get yourself in trouble, don't you try to find a way out? Hello? And don't you work really hard to extricate yourself, to get yourself out of that problem? Instead of maybe stopping and just praying, and go, Lord, I was so dumb. Fix this for me. Please help me. <laughs> Cry out to God and, you know, rescue me from myself. When we were doing Financial Peace University last year, I saw this over and over and over from people. We'd talk to them about their finances and say, how are you doing? Really bad. You know, I've run my credit card up to $76,000. You know, I mean, we saw, I saw numbers last year from Financial Peace University that I actually couldn't believe. People had spent so much money on credit cards, it was staggered me, I couldn't believe it. And then they would say, this. I said, how did you think we're, you were gonna get out of that? Well, I'm just praying that God will give me an inheritance. I'm praying that God will let me win the lottery. No, really, Christians say this stuff. Now, do you think that's probably what God's gonna do for most people who get themselves in trouble? No, no, you know, God's gonna do something better. He has a better plan, which is, Sign up for the class, let me teach you about money, and disciple you to become a follower of Jesus at the same time. 
So how many of you know this is how God works a lot of times? He doesn't answer our prayers the way we want them to be answered because he has a better plan. Now that can be very difficult if you're dealing with spiritual things. It's easy to say if you get yourself in debt. In 1986, I had just graduated from seminary. I had this huge hunger to go around the world, go to Africa, live in Africa. And so I get offered a job at Kajabi School of the Bible in Kenya, right outside of Nairobi. So I get offered the job of my life. You gotta get this, I'm like, yes, God! I graduated from seminary, yes, God! I'm gonna get to go to Africa. No, you're not. Ain't happening, dude. Went through all the interviews, did all the stuff, and then, you know, my wife and I crashed. She's like, I'm not going to Africa right now, dude. Not with two little kids, that ain't happening. I go, yeah, 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 but we had a deal, and you know, it was just a nightmare time, okay? Just trust me. It didn't go well. I got offered the job, got through the interviews. I actually, just so you understand this, I actually, when I was in Kenya three or four years ago, went to Gajabi School of the Bible to see it because it was where I thought I was gonna live. I thought it was part of my destiny. I cried out to God for it, and the answer ended up being what? No, if the answer had been yes, I wouldn't be here. But God had a better idea. Did I like the better idea? No, N-O, not at the moment. You don't like the better idea. You only like the better idea 20 years later when you look back and realize how dumb you were. No, really, sometimes you're not even dumb. It's just hard, it's just hard. There are times that God does these mysterious things, friends, and he closes doors on you. He broke, God broke my heart over and over and over. When I was playing college basketball, I was offered a professional contract to play in Australia. I was offered uh, an opportunity to travel into Europe and play on a, a team, a traveling team that, that was uh, going all over Scandinavia and into different um, stadiums in Europe and playing before huge thousands and thousands of people. And I trained for it, and I trained for it, and I trained for it. And I, at the same time, I was working 46 hours a week. And this, this was summer and during college. I'm working 46 hours a week, and I'm coaching a Little League team because that was a passion for mine. And, and I did all these things, and I was exhausted, actually. And wouldn't you know, I'm eating out all the time, and I catch hepatitis at Michael J's restaurant on Foothill in Laverne. No, they, they found there was an outbreak of hepatitis and I was one of the people that caught it when I was eating dinner there at night because I lived in Laverne in those days. And, and I, I catch hepatitis. And I, when do I get hepatitis? 12 hours before the plane leaves for Scandinavia. My temperature goes up to 105. And I go to the doctor and they blood test me and they say, you just have the flu, go ahead and take the flight, you'll be okay and I'm packed all my stuff, ready to go, and a knock on my door. And in those days, the health department would come and actually quarantine you. They put a notice on my door that I was quarantined. Could you imagine such a thing today? <laughs> they put a quarantine on my door. They told me I couldn't go anywhere. You're not going to Europe, you're not going anywhere. I just sat and cried. And then I figured it out, though, because I, I thought, I figured it out, God. They're going to all die in a plane crash, and you're saving me. <laughs> Come on, you've thought just like this. You've thought exactly the same kind of thoughts. That's how I thought when I prayed. You know, God, you wouldn't do this if you weren't trying to save me. 
Well, the plane didn't crash. When they got back, they told me they played in front of thousands and thousands of people. It was the most unbelievable thing they'd ever experienced, all that kind of stuff. It just broke my heart again. But, but, but I'll tell you what happened. I finally figured out. It took me like three experiences like this where I was supposed to go to South America and play, supposed to go to this place and play, supposed to go to Australia and play, and God kept saying, you're not going. You're not going. You're not going. Your destiny, listen to me, your destiny is at stake here. If I let you go, you will not fulfill why I created you. And you told me a long time ago you wanted to do that. And see, I did. I did. I gave God permission to, to do this to me. I said, I want whatever you want from me. I yield to whatever you say. I said that to God. I just didn't know what I was saying. <laughs> it was horrible. No, it was a, the whole thing was horrible at the end. I thought it was horrible what God did to me. I thought, this is horrible. Why would you do this to anybody? Finally, let's close up with this. Is God has a greater purpose for you. It is like that. I mean, it is what I just said. It's just your destiny. It's eternity. It's Psalm 57 too. I cry out to my God most high who fulfills his purpose with me. Second Corinthians 4, 17. This was me that day in that struggle. These present troubles, the ones you're going through right now, are quite small compared to what you're gonna experience in eternity. And they will not last very long. Feels long, but they're not very long compared to eternity. Yet they will produce in us an immeasurably great glory. That is a reward in heaven, by the way, that will last forever. So don't look at the troubles that you can see right now. Listen to Paul. Paul really understood this. Don't put your eye on the troubles you can see right now. Rather, Look forward to what you cannot see in eternity. For the troubles that you see now will soon be over, but the joy that you come to experience will last forever. It's so important, man. And that's worth cheering for. <laughs> Some of you need to grab a hold of that and not let go of it. Without God saying no to your prayers, he wouldn't be able to say yes to your blessing. So think like that. God is trying to say yes to your blessing. God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you for generations and generations and generations. But he's got to say no sometimes to things that you really want to bless you. You got to think like that. So here's a couple of thoughts and we're done. There are things in this life you're never going to understand. That's just reality. There are some things that are going to happen in your life that you're never going to change. You're not gonna get the healing you prayed for. You're not gonna, they're just gonna be permanent. Well, I don't know why. I know Paul said, I have a thorn in the flesh, keeps me humble, but then remember what he said, but my grace is sufficient for you. I'm gonna let this stay, but it's gonna deepen your heart for the king and the kingdom. There's some other purpose in this that's deeper. And then finally this one, and this is the hardest one of the whole teaching, is that there are gonna be times that God lets you suffer intentionally. I want you to hear me right now. I call this redemptive suffering. Redemptive suffering. Do you know that all of the healing classes at Water of Life that you take out here are born out of my redemptive suffering? Places where I got hurt and wounded and knocked around and I sat down and made a class to try to heal people who've been through the same thing whole bunches of our classes out here came out of my suffering. Now, you don't understand that because you don't see me teach the class 
And you don't see him even talk about the classes anymore. But 30 years ago, I wrote all those curriculums because of this thing, redemptive suffering. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? That means this. How many women have I prayed for that wanted to have a baby and they didn't get to? But then they went and started a foster care ministry for kids who were already there with no parent. That's called redemptive suffering, friends. How many stories of blind people are there that, that God allowed them to go blind and then they ministered to other blind people in supernatural ways? That's called redemptive suffering. There are times that you cannot know what your pain means. God leaves it and you think, he must not care about me. No, 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 don't think that way. Think this way, there's something larger. There's something larger. Your child, God forbid, takes their life because of mental illness. And then you have this huge passion for other teenagers that are struggling with mental illness because God wants you to rescue those people. That's called redemptive suffering. And nobody likes it, but it, the kingdom of God is built on redemptive suffering, friends. That can only happen if you trust God in the storm. That's the only way it happens. Psalm 25:10. all the ways of the Lord are loving. Not some of the ways, part of the ways. All the ways of the Lord are loving. Romans 8, 28, you all know it, in everything. Say that with me. In everything, in everything, God works for good for those who love him. If you resent it and you resist it, you'll miss the blessing. You've got to learn to yield. Mark chapter 14, verse 35 and 36, Jesus. Here's Jesus right now. Jesus is the epitome of redemptive suffering. Think about it. God said no to him so he could say yes to all of us. Do you get that? That is the epitome of redemptive suffering. Jesus cried out to the Father. It says, going a little further, Jesus fell to the ground praying, impossible, would you please remove this cup from me? And God's answer to him was what? No, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna do it. Stand with me, would you? Bow your heads. I said this to you last week. It's important, I think, just to reiterate it again, touch it again. Hebrews 11, 39 and 40. There were people all over the Bible that were commended for their faith, but they didn't receive what they had been promised this side of eternity. God can answer your prayers in eternity, friends. You're crying out for neighbors, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren to meet Jesus, and you go into eternity and don't see it happen. That doesn't restrict God at all. What you've got to say is, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go. There's six to 7,000 promises in the Bible, and God is not limited by my time on earth to fulfill them. He's not. He's not. Hard stuff. Hard stuff. And finally, there's this little thought, Daniel chapter 10. Sometimes your prayers aren't answered because hell is fighting against you. And you don't ever want to miss that one. But I want to pray for you right now, so bow your heads, would you? If you're here and you're struggling, and you're like, man, I'm just struggling with believing in the middle of not getting an answer, put your hand up so I can pray for you, would you? Good for you, good. 
Good. Good for you. There's a lot of us. Well, Father, we come to you right now. Everybody with our hands up, we just come to you and say, Lord, help us. Father, help us. We're desperate to hear from you. And Lord, I know that when you show up in a situation, even when I don't get my answer, as long as I, I get your presence, it changes everything. It changes everything, because I know that you know. So I pray for every hand that's raised, every person in here right now, with their hand up, that you would draw near to them and they would draw near to you and you would speak your heart into their heart, God. They would be able to continue to trust you, press into you, and believe that everything about you is loving in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen, 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 amen. amen. God bless you. Well, that was a great message on prayer from Pastor Dan. I'm just enjoying this 40 days of prayer so much. The messages, the prayer, everything that we're doing is a part of this. Now, before you head out, I want to just encourage you. We have a couple of reflection and response points that I want you to really focus in on this week. And so take a screenshot to be able to look at this later in the week. And the first is this, a reflection thought is, do you believe beyond unanswered prayer? We've all dealt with prayers that we've prayed and prayed and prayed, and it seems like there's no answer coming. Do you believe, are you able to believe beyond that? And the second thing is a response is to thank God for how he's loved you by using the gratitude list in your prayer journal. And if you weren't able to get one of those physical prayer journals, you can get it online at wall40days.com. But look at the gratitude list in your prayer journal and thank God for how he has loved you by using that list. And second, please, we all need to be praying for revival for our country, our church, and our lives. This is such a critical time, as I'm sure we, we would all agree. With the election, everything that's else, else that's going on, we need to be praying for revival. So if you would like to receive prayer right now and you're watching live, follow the instructions posted by your online hosts, or you can always call into the church office during the week to receive prayer. And make sure to keep up with Water of Life by going to wallupdates.com. Remember, that's wolupdates.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. Love being in this journey with you. Stay in with this prayer journey for 40 days, and we'll see you next week. God bless.